1: Hi villains and welcome to For the Love of Paul Grab Podcast. Neil and Paddy back again and there's smiles on both of our faces here because uh, we had our own little smash and grab for once as opposed to it happening to us and we had a character building uh, result yesterday in the St. Saint, Saint Mary's in Saint Southampton against Southampton and uh, we're going to come to you and chat to you a, small, a little bit about that today. Paddy, how are you doing? Paddy has just been doing a very, very um, honourable thing. He did a 10K... I'm going to say walk. Was a half walk, half run? No, uh, it was a walk. It was a percent walk. I was trying to big you up, Paddy. I, I was trying to, uh, but did it for a uh, local hospice, uh, Milford Hospice. Um, it is there. It's an annual uh, kind of, I, I won't call it a fun run day, but it's a day where, where uh, it's the annual 10K for Milford Hospice and lots and lots of funds um very very uh gratefully received by such a fantastic outlet here in um in limerick uh for for obviously for people in palliative care and uh for with cancer issues and stuff and just a fantastic facility that we actually have to to allow people to to live out their lives in dignity i think and fair play to you yeah. patty for doing that because it's um all too prevalent at the moment unfortunately and and services like that need all the help that we can give them especially since it's um i think it's semi privately funded as well as opposed to as opposed to being a a public funded uh, institution as well so so fair play on that paddy um but uh, as i said there was a lot of people out there last night that did a couple of 10k's in their own chasing the ball and trying to get the ball back and losing the ball and and and, and yeah. so on and and
0: unfortunately i didn't do any 10k's last night it was more like the 10 cans that i had so the the match the head wasn't great this morning, heading out to do the 10K. <laughs> to do, That's the to, trouble. We're having rugby on early, followed by Villa. So, uh, yeah. A little bit seedy this morning, but sure, look, we got it done and uh, for a good cause.
1: What a pro. What a pro. He still managed to go on the podcast. What a pro. Yeah. Um, a smile
0: on a smile <laughs> my face, which is still there from last night. It's, it's great to be finally. um, Because you know, we sat there and we we're going, have we ever had two VAR decisions? In our favor in a game, I don't think we have. Have we had a game-changing VAR decision? I don't think we have. I just I've lost count at this stage, but uh, I don't I don't recall too many too many VAR decisions for us. So uh, it was nice to have that last night instead of um, bitching and moaning here today.
1: Yeah, and and I think that that's that's something where we'll start, Paddy. That's somewhere where we'll start. Should I say is that uh, we've been pretty critical of VAR. And we can still be critical of our, even if it comes, even if the the the, the decisions come down in our favor. And uh, I suppose the, the honorable thing and, and, and the point I'm going to make is that, yes, we were due decisions, but still for me, that was a handball all day long. You know, that's a penalty for yep. Maddie Cash and, and it's a handball all day long. We got away with it absolutely fantastic, delighted we did, and we're, and we're due a decision. But once again, it still highlights the ambiguity in the laws of the game, you know. And and like t- to Jamie Carriger's point, he like even would have slowed down, he found it difficult to see it come off the tie. And um, I certainly <laughs> didn't uh, see it until like the, the seventh or eighth replay. And I went, I think that came off his no. tie, you know. And it, it, it's just one of those things that. Uh, and even I, I watched the game on
0: BN Sports, which I've a tendency to do when certain commentators are on just to mix it up so I don't have to listen to them. But um, the guys in BN Sports didn't see it at all, didn't see it hit, hit, hit the tie. Hit the and about 10 minutes later, they showed the replay again and they said, we're just hearing from VAR that the reason it wasn't handball was because it came off the tie of, of Maddie Cash. It was very subtle. If, if it happened at the other end, I'd be crying for a penalty. I think it was a penalty. I think it was more of a penalty than the one that Maddie Cash gave away against Man City when he hit his hand from mm. what, about a yard away, yeah. when there's no chance to take your hand out of the way. But, Doug, that's just my opinion. That's that's just the way I see football being. Um, We've been told that handball is handball, but handball is not handball, obviously. So I don't think they know what they're doing from one game to the next. Yep. Might be there might be a loophole closed on Monday now because of that we'll see. Yeah,
1: yeah. And like I just what? don't
0: understand. If it, if a shot's on target and it hits your hand by any stretch, I think I think it's a penalty. Yeah the, the one against Man City wasn't even on target. And he, he was one yard away, nowhere to move his hands to.
1: Couldn't couldn't do anything, the hand's in an unnatural position. And I think that look, that's the ambiguity that I'm giving out about all the time. The ambiguity of wording, an unnatural position. Like define what a natural position is. You know, mm. that's that's what a problem is. So if there's if the if the issue is defining what a natural and it's the exact same thing, define what's clear and obvious. You know, people like is it clear and obvious in the moment of play is it clear and obvious when you're looking at it looking back at it on, the, on the replay there's there there is no confirmation or there is no sub uh uh context of of laws of the game is rules sorry patty we won't call them laws we call them rules um of the game uh, for <laughs> stuff like that but look it's it, it's it is it's, it's one of those things that um you know, there's there, there will be controversy over that, and people will bring it up in a couple of weeks' time, and people will still talk about it. And Southampton fans should feel aggrieved about it because I, I I'd be very very annoyed about it if it, if it happened up the other end. And even look, the offside, exact same offside that uh, Ollie Watkins had, exact same type of offside that Ollie Watkins had against West Ham, um, the arm, the outstretched arm of of Danny Ings. that goal that he scored and it was chalked off and look they should feel really really aggrieved about that too because i i did laugh i did laugh at maddie cash because he's uh his rebuttal to it on twitter was it was a good thing he didn't do any squats because if he did he'd have a bigger arse and he would have played him (laughs) on side but that 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 to me is is a problem as well is that if you are if your arse can't be offside I think I think I'm right in saying that because they they take it from the top of the arm or something. No, I could be wrong in saying that, but long and the short of it here is that you can't tackle someone with, with your arse. <laughs> you know, you you can't do it. So how how could that part be that that part of his body be uh, be potentially interfering in play? But um, well, you can score a, like... you can score a goal with your arse. Oh, I know, but as a defender, you <laughs> as a defender, you can't do much with it. You know, you can turn it, you can block it, maybe I suppose, yeah. but you can't actually tackle him with it. Look, it was. Uh, I'm going into the semantics of it here I'm going down a rabbit hole with it. But look, at the end of the day, uh, Danny Ings wasn't offside either. He just wasn't like. In, in, no, in, not in, not in the football we know it in, exactly. No he just wasn't offside. But look, as I say, Paddy, we'll take these all day long. A one nil smash and grab. And the goal that we got was actually quite a good goal as well. Um, I love to see that I love the man that got it. I love to see him scoring a goal. Great boost to his confidence after coming back right. from injury. a couple of questions being asked about who's Song gonna take whose place is he gonna take. Ross Barkley steps up, arcs his, arcs his neck, and gets the ball in the back of the net for an unlikely one they'll win at the time. Um talk us a small bit through the through the actual goal itself, Paddy, if you remember it, you, the 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 build up to it. Jeez, well, the the one thing that took my breath away, obviously it's, it's
0: you know, it's a great art to be able to hit a cross on the half-volley like that, and I thought it was a fantastic ball by Jack. And, you know, it's probably been underestimated how good the finish was because to get your head at that angle where it's mm. kind of sitting you, hitting you on the side of the head and you're just guiding it past the goalkeeper, it, it's an art in itself. It was a really, really, really good goal, both from, from Jack to control it and get the ball across um, on the half-volley and, you know, to be, able, to be able to score like that with the side of your head. It's great to have him. He's a big lad. Um it's great to hear him after the game as well. You know, he, he said he has spent more time playing on the pitch than he has training yeah. since he got back, which is incredible. But he's got through got through the game time that he has. So, you know, best of luck to him. I hope we're we're gonna see him push on now and be uh be the, the, the workhorse that we are waiting on him to come back to be. And he showed signs of it last night. So obviously it was gonna take time, and I think. I think that's the reason why we're looking at not many changes being made because this this is probably their starting eleven for now. And he, he's allowing them to get back up to full fitness and then he can spring others from the bench or have others come in and try and fight for their place. Um probably a bit, you know, a bit hard on El Ghazi and Trezeguet who are probably due a chance. You know, some people would say, you know, <laughs> they, 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 the others just, um, have made the position their own. Um, I thought Traore was missing a little bit last night and wasn't his usual ever-vesting self. Um, I thought it would be a perfect opportunity to get one of them on and, and try and look for something different. Um, and also a little bit more protection on the right hand side. But, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't too bad of an, uh, albeit a smash and grab, it wasn't too bad a performance from the team in general. So we can't be too downbeat on them.
1: No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And what I did refer to it, as I say, as a smash and grab, I think it was more so the amount of pressure we had to soak up. Um while not being at the same levels of Burnley versus us in in the the the, the fixture in Villa Park, it was a, a we were under pressure. There was a bit of rear guard action there, and it's nice to see. And uh, as I said after the game as well, that uh, proving it's proving it to the the players, proving it to themselves. You know, f- having a gritty win after losing a gritty game to Burnley. You mm. know that that th- those little things kind of. They they help teams. They help teams' confidence. They help teams to to galvanise themselves against maybe a run of defeats. Because look, we were we last four out of five. We had last four out of five, and uh, we were in need of picking up some points. After, you know, we could have could have spent some time feeling sorry for ourselves after Man City. We could have spent fe- time feeling sorry for ourselves after Burnley with the supposed smash and grab. There, obviously, uh, we should we all still feel that we shouldn't have lost that game but we did and then obviously did the, the uh the united game uh mm. which was you know which 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 just was was what it was um so the team could have could have kind of regressed an awful lot and i think that they needed a a plucky win Uh they needed a plucky win to to kind of get their their heads back into i suppose really to kind of to to let themselves know that they can win that way that it doesn't always have to be Flash, flash, flash the whole time that you can win with some just some dogginess, and that kind of brings me to a question I have for you, uh, Patty is that we barely, barely at all utilize the right hand side of our attack at all. Um, everything was we were very much so going down the left hand side, and in our preview of the game, we spoke whereby that's what we should do. So, mm. but but I didn't think it would be so. Uh, weighted towards the left hand side, like fifty-five percent of our attacks came down the left hand side, and only twenty-two percent of our attacks came down the right hand side. You know, um, and yeah. anything, any, any specific reason do you think for that, Patty Is there anything that uh, any, any any reason you could think of for that? Because I'm here of my brains, I can't see any specific reason as to why we would do that. Well, I think the
0: game plan was. I don't. Well, number one, I don't think they were expecting James Ward-Prowse to be playing it right back. <laughs> Which I thought was a strange shout altogether. But anyway, <laughs> um, he didn't do too bad now, don't get me wrong. But uh I, I think, you know, they figured that down that right hand side they were, they were gonna they were gonna overload them and they and it would be better. And I think that was just the game plan to start off with. You know, that's the only logical explanation I can come with. They have injuries, the players missing. And, you know, when when I was looking at the team, I wasn't even when they put it out. You know, Ward Prowse, what would have said, was playing in the middle of the park. And for the life of me, when they lined up and you could see him at right back, it was like, what is going on here?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, apparently he's played there before. I don't remember him ever playing there before, but it's um, when you have that kind of weapon, it just seemed fairly strange to deploy him in that position. Surely they have somebody there who could have done it equally as good. That's just my opinion. I'm not the manager of Southampton, so he can be... Yeah, he can be the answer for that one, um, you know. But I, I, think when we have a weapon like Jack, it's always going to be leaning towards that side. I think, I think it, 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 you know, when we get to the end of the season and and we look at heat maps through, you know, they're all going. The ball is going to spend most of its time down that side. They'll be trying to get the ball to Jack because he's just capable of unlocking the defense so easily.
1: Yeah. I was just kind of blown away with the fact that if they were going, to, that we actually went out and just blatantly fought fire with fire, because my hypothesis for the fact that they played James Ward-Prowse on the right was to pin back Matty Target, and it worked. Um, you had Ward-Prowse and Stuart Armstrong there, and it meant there was very, very few times that you saw Matty Target actually got out in the overlap. Yeah, uh, against this team, and I made a point in the Villa view last night. That I think Villa found it hard, feel Villa find it hard when when Matty Target gets pinned back like that. But they had a, they had a plan B, and the plan B was to loft the ball over James Ward-Prowse. Because if you look back at it, the way he defended was so square on. It was really square on. It was a central midfielder's uh, way of defending. You know, you're 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 kind of more square on as you're kind of rushing and you're pressing, yeah. and you're not side on uh, waiting for somebody to kind of take you on or run past you. And they just lofted the ball over him for the goal. They did it once or twice before that as well. And the first time they did it, I thought I, I thought it was a miss hit pass. The second time they did it, I went, wait a minute, there's method behind this madness. And then they <laughs> tried it, I think, about two or three more times. And I went, Southampton have no answer for this. They have no answer for what's going to happen here because Grealish is just going to glide past him, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was a case of getting a getting one that was or catching him in a position where he was sufficiently high up the field whereby the t- the end line wouldn't be his friend. And and Jack Grealish could go, could get in behind him too, and he did, and and that's where the that's basically where the goal came from, you know, it came from that 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 specific uh, type of play as well. But I was blown away. I, like we had we we had no attacking threat down the right hand side. Uh, Bertrand Traoré had only thirty four touches at the ball, barring subs. He had the least amount of touches in the whole in the whole game, other than Theo Walcott. Theo Walcott at, t- at thirty one, but. Bertrand Troy for somebody who gets on the ball, who tries to be as unconventional as possible, he it, it was like as if he was tasked to work hard and to defend. And I'm not as down on him and, and his defensive duties as a lot of people are. Uh, look, he's not going to be a defender, but he is going like and and he may may not track back as well as Trezeguet, but uh, he isn't absolutely awful either, in my view. I don't, no, I don't agree not. with that with that mindset that he's, that he's awful, that he can't defend whatsoever. He's going
0: to have good days and quiet days as well. So, you know, it's not, uh, it's, it's no slight on him to say, you know, he was quiet. It's just the way the game panned out. Um, he, he, he is a smashing player. Um, I think he will grow defensively as time goes on. Um, That, you know, that was my, my only criticism that I thought we could have saw Trezeguet on there earlier. Just to uh, just to add a little bit of something different, because you know every player is entitled to an off day. Um, even Emmy Martin Martinez had a couple himself. He uh, let a ball fall, high <laughs> ball fall, at one stage. You know, and I know he got a free out for it, but there was minimal contact, and I thought, "Jesus, that's most unlike him to, to drop a ball like that." Um, look, we, it's it's one of those performances that you know. If if we'd have played like that on Thursday, it could have been a whole lot worse, um, and I I mean that in the nicest possible way. We we, we got lucky. We got the goal. Uh, I thought in the first half we, we didn't really trouble them as much as we should. Um, Ollie Watkins has a couple of good chances. Um, we were, we like we we wrote our luck. That there was one point in the second half. I think we had three shots cleared off the line in the matter of seconds. Um, Martin has saved one from a corner then a block from John again, I think, and then another one off the line. Um. So I think all around, the team effort was there. And let's face it, they must be out on their feet at this stage, mm. you know, with all the games that they have. come, and, and, that, and that, again, is more reason why I thought, that, you know, could have put a sub on earlier. They could have freshened it up a little bit. But then again, if we're going to get match, match, uh, match fit, then they need to be playing 80, 90 minutes, so. I'm sure he knows what he's doing, and the sports science guys are leading him in the right direction with along that, along with the doctors and everything else. So, we've just got to just got to let him at it and be critical yeah. where we see fit and and pat him on the back when we get results. So, around yeah. this, one and be happy for it. I think.
1: Look, he's completely vindicated. We've got three points. Absolutely. You know, like, uh, I it goes back to the question of do we want to win playing absolutely fantastic football or do we just want to win? And I think last night was uh, uh, just, we just wanted to win and it was fantastic. And look, we, we got three points away from home. I know, look, would I have made subs? Yes, I would. Do I, can, can I see why he didn't make subs? I can also as well. The nuances of the game, the nuances of playing against a team like, uh, like Southampton with their wacky formational setups and you could see it in the first half. It takes teams time to get used to playing against them. Um, the four two 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 that they played, the three four two one that they played in the second half, like they're not formations you come up against. Trying to find their starting positions and trying to, uh, you know, getting to the pitch of the game. I think was very important for Dean Smith yesterday. And and yes, look, there were one or two people leggy. There absolutely were. But I suppose really, if like if if you took them off. And you could have looked. This is all hypothetical. I'm not saying. I'm, I'm not saying that this is the definitive of what would have happened. But it, there's a potential for this to happen. That you take off a player or two, and next thing, all of a sudden, they don't they aren't to the pitch of the game. They don't know where the starting positions are. They just don't yeah. feel it out. They haven't felt it out as the game goes on. And next thing, Southampton of score a goal, uh, and maybe they score a second one. And it could be the reverse of what happened against Burnley. And I know people are saying, well, he didn't make subs against Burnley either. And I'm very much of the opinion that. that that like the goals that Burnley scored were so outrageously fortuitous that I don't think it was, they were, I don't think they were as a result of tired legs either. So, but yes, I would have made substitutions last night. I agree with absolutely everybody. It says that I'm just playing devil's advocate with saying that the sports science and, and, and the tactical nature of the actual game and, and the, the, the ridiculousness of some of the setups, not mm-hmm. ridiculous in a bad way, but the ridiculously unorthodox way that they, that Southampton set up and, um, most likely played a, played a factor in this that we need that we had found our structure, we had found our, our tempo within the game, and it was a case of not wanting to disturb it. And yeah, it it probably you know it, it was probably a bit more nail biting at the end than maybe we wanted. And you could say that the subs should have been made, and I absolutely agree with it. But we didn't make them, we still won. So I think the chapter should be closed on that, and let's let's see on to the next game. Uh, that's just my view, and I know other people won't share that view, but that's fine too. As I said, there is no right or there is no wrong. In fact, the right is that no matter what Dean Smith did last night, we won. And, yeah. and
0: that's the only thing that matters, the fact that it opened up the top corner of the screen and at the end of the yeah. game, it said 1-0 to Aston Villa. Yeah. And we draw a line under it, as we did with Burnley the other night, and just move on now and get, you know, we've, we've two more games in, in this run, um, West Ham during the week and then Arsenal on Saturday. And I would imagine there's going to be the, the, that fourth team will be back in for recovery on Sunday. And then we'll probably have two or three days off to recover themselves, mm-hmm. spend some time with their family and, and get over that run of games. Uh, and before they even go looking at Brighton the following week. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're now halfway through the season. We've, we've got, we've got there without any more people picking up the fifth yellow card, which was great. Um, I think that's a huge plus after last night. Um, we're, you know, 8th, ninth in the league, uh, three points off Europe, well clear of safety. You know, we're in a really, really good place and I don't think there's any space for negativity. Um, the cynic in me would love to see a couple of players coming in to help us push on for Europe. And let's face it, you know, we prob- we're probably 18 months into a long-term plan. Um, they probably weren't budgeting for playing for Europe next year, or planning for playing for Europe next year. So let them do what they got to do. I'm sure they they know where uh, where they want to be. And um, maybe we're not ready for Europe just yet. You know, it would be a bonus. It would be nice. Um, so I, I would imagine the bulk of the money is going to be spent in uh, in the summer. Yeah. Um, Makes sense. What I wouldn't mind them trying to do tomorrow before everything closes is tie down Ross Barkley. I think Mm. I think that's worth a punt now at this stage. Um, I don't know if that's even an option. If you know they've been told that Chelsea must have him back at the end of the term or whatever the case may be, that's one bit of business I'd like to see tied up by close of play tomorrow. But. I don't think he's
1: getting in the Tunchel side. I just don't think he suits the uh, Thomas Tunchel side, and I think this is going to be probably a player led player led exit at the end of the at the end of the year. Yeah, he likes playing for Aston Villa. You can see it in him. He said the reason he came to Villa was because of Jack Grealish. If Villa want him, I think Villa will get him. it's suppose it all just just yeah. depends on, the, on on the price and if and if Chelsea, you know, maybe get sticky on the price. That's okay. You know, I I th- I think one way or another, whether it's tomorrow which I don't expect it to be or the end of the season I just think we'd get a better
0: price be. if we did it now rather than later I think we'd, we'd get a better price and mm. that, that's my motivation for doing it now Yeah, um, you're right I, th- I think there'll be a mass exodus from Chelsea in the summer um, th- that's just me looking at what he's trying to do and scratching my head and don't mm. see where, where, where players are going to fit into that um, I don't know how many times you can rebuild a club but
1: it mm. looks like
0: that's what he's going to do Um and, you know, there are interesting times ahead. You know, our, our guys have to balance the books as well, which is is probably not totally football reasons that we're, we're not out-splashing the cash. Um, You've also got to keep a lot of those players happy. Um, yeah. And, and that's a difficult job. But look, who knows? We could be back on tomorrow night with some
1: Breaking news. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. And just, I suppose, just to say uh, as well, uh, Henry Lansbury has moved to Bristol on on a full time or what you call it, a permanent transfer. Uh, yeah. Best of luck to him, Bristol. Yeah, look, some people will have uh, maybe some vitriol towards him for maybe sitting on his contract for six months more than he than he needed to. That's the business of football doesn't bother me in the slightest you know you sign a a fellow up for his contract and if he sits in it that's his prerogative is it a shitty thing to do yeah from a personal from a from an optics point of view for them all right it probably is but um look as i say none of us would leave our job if we were told we just had to sit there and not come to work but they were going to continue to pay us none of us would leave our job and while i know that, that it's a completely different scenario um it's Look, he's he's now departed. He's gone to Bristol City and best of luck to him, as I say. And Freddie Gilbert looks like he's on his way to Strasbourg as well. And I was really interested that they, between Freddie Gilbert, Lover Kalinic and Connor Oren, we've made three spaces in our team, but we've only replaced one. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's just, that's interesting. I don't think there's, look, you don't have to fill those 25, uh, those 25 spots but it's just interesting the flexibility it gives because teams, as they begin to get knocked out of competitions and, and uh, are not in, in uh, I suppose danger of being relegated and stuff like that, especially teams, maybe, maybe Chinese, maybe teams out in China, maybe teams in, uh, in the the Middle East and stuff like that. You often see the players between now and between the end of the season, they get a jump on the transfer market and they get let go and they get released. Like, Point in case, Mario Mandzukic, um, Alex Teixeira, uh, the guy that we were, uh, were linked to it. You yeah. know, we can do these deals after the transfer window. So having a space or two there is, uh, you know, it, look. I'm not saying it's going to happen. This is just the football manager, <laughs> yeah. manager, game player in <laughs> me that's coming out here, you know, that it gives a small bit. And look, at the end of the day, Dean Smith is used to dealing with smaller, smaller squads. And look, if he's happy with what he has, he's happy with what he mm-hmm. has. He'll, he'll either... I
0: genuinely think he is, though. You know, I think he.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, I'm not, I, I, I'm, I've no insider knowledge, but it just seems to me, you know, he he has said on Friday that the business is done, so we have mm. to take him at his word. I'm sure if something came up, which has a tendency to happen on, on transfer deadline day, yeah. Um, you know what's to say, he wouldn't jump at an opportunity if if it was right for the club. Um, if if nobody comes in, I'm happy. I've, I've said it before, you know, we, we've trusted him this far, if he feels we have enough to, to, to keep the project going as we see it, um, that, that's fine, I just think we're in touching distance of Europe, it would be just nice just to push on, and you know what, maybe Morgan Samson is the person yeah. who's going to do that for us, we just don't know till we see him out there on the pitch and see where he fits into our system. It could be to the detriment of someone like John McGinn, but, you know, it's not a bad backup to have in there. But time will tell. Um, I would imagine you'll you're, you're probably look at seeing him getting some game time during the week. And, you know, who knows, he could be a, a permanent fixture by the time next weekend comes around.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, also, I suppose with with Henry Lansbury and Freddie Gilbert, I would imagine both of those weren't on Um. Wages that were too shabby, you know, the rumor is that Henry Lansbury was on something approaching 40,000, I think, which is, Mm -hmm. uh, to be honest with you, is is, is quite a lot commensurate to to what he gave Aston Villa, gave back to Aston Villa, which wasn't as much, I suppose, as 40 grand a week would have, uh, or even 30 grand a week would have have merited. But that's fine, because I say that's the business of football. Uh, It's not the transfer fees that cripple a club. I will say this till yeah. the, I'll say this until the day I die. It's not the transfer fees that will cripple a club; it's the wages. The wages will always cripple a club. Um, I, so, I
0: think I think at the time you got to look back to when when he was brought in. There was some stupid. Oh yeah, there and it, was, it was ridiculous. And I I think I retweeted somebody the other day. It was very funny. Um, Henry, a picture of Henry Lansbury celebrating his goal for Notts Forest against. Mm. Against us, and that's still his best moment of Villa Park, which is a bit sad considering how long he's been there and the wages he's taken out of it. I'm sure he's not too proud of his time there himself. I know we, things might have been different if he would scored that goal against uh, Crystal Palace that was chalked off. Who knows? We'll never things know. Things
1: could have been different. Things could have been different. Absolutely best of luck to in Bristol and best of luck in Strasbourg, for Freddie Goodbear. And as I say, um, 70 grand a week in, in wages give or take, I'm, I'm plucking numbers out of the sky, is is huge, uh, especially in COVID times for two players that may not have been playing and, you know, had been usurped in the in the squads by the likes of Kane Hayden, Kessler Andrew, and uh, Jacob Ramsey. And look, as well, we spent a week glowing and waxing lyrically about the kids who played against Liverpool, mm. you know, and we're saying, oh, they should get moves to championship clubs and everything like that. Let's see if they're good enough now. Mm. Why not? Let's see if they're good yeah. enough to be second, third choice. That's it.
0: Yeah. I, I, I admire the way they're, they're doing it because you, you look at the amount of players at Chelsea now that are going to be sitting there and pissed off mm. with no football. All they want to do is play. You know, I, I'd hate to think we get to the stage where we're like that and we're just splashing the cash for the sake of splashing the cash. No, obviously winning trophies is what it's all about. I completely understand that. But if that's to the detriment of the club and the wage bill and everything else, you know, I think they're going about this the right way and I hope it continues for many years to come. And if, if we have a, a great recruitment team that can unearth something from the continent or, or a young kid from somewhere, which we seem to be doing, um, which we saw in the summer bringing in a couple of young lads and uh, oh, we saw them play against Liverpool and, you know, they were, they were super. Mm. So this kind of thing is fine. It's great for the future. Um, we've just got to see them coming through now. I was disappointed for young Ramsey not even getting on the bench last night. Um, but obviously, you know, if we bring in a player of that, of that caliber. He needs to be included.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, uh, it's, a good, it's a good position to have uh, for, for Jacob Ramsey to, to be able to be in and around the first team. He's only what 19 years of age, his day will come. He's well thought of. Dean Smith had put him in over an Irish International into the into the squads before. I think he's gonna understand. You know, he's gonna understand that it's horses for courses. And there will be times when he will be on the bench. There will be times when he may even start between now and the end of the season. So um, you know, best of luck to him. He's he's not his race isn't run for this year yet, whatsoever. Oh. Uh, yeah, so guys, um, I think that's really where we're going. To, where we're going to leave it. I don't think we really have anything else there other than to do the Lakers sports man of the match, Patty. And I'm going to leave this one up to you. Who are you going to pick for the Lakers sports sponsor man a match? Oh jeepers. Um
0: I'm going to give it to Ross Barkley. Great. I, I think he showed signs of being back to his best, and you know, give the credit where it's due. Um, he got the goal. Um, he, he was he was a regular uh he annoyed them an awful lot. He was he was you know what what we saw of him before Christmas seems to be back to that level. And uh you know, I'm sure there was uh people would probably give it to Jack or even Maddie Target or Maddie Cash, whatever. But I I just thought he deserved it.
1: Okay. Yeah, we we'll give it, we might as well <laughs> spread it around. I would have probably given it to me martin as myself, but uh, we'll spread it around we'll see we'll, we'll see where we end up at the end of the year actually yeah. by the way I hope somebody out there that's listening to the podcast is keeping track of who we're giving man a match to because uh, at this stage I've completely lost track of it and uh, yeah so if anybody we can't, is- give, it, we
0: can't give it to Emmy to, all the time Like, and in fairness there was a couple of things that I thought he could have done better with, you know, I named the one already where he dropped it when there was a foul against him which probably wasn't a foul and the shot at the end which led to the goal that wasn't a goal he palmed up in the air rather than put it out for a corner. But just goes to show they were worried about the dead ball plays from mm. Southampton, yep. that, that he was trying to keep the ball in play, which I thought, okay, well, we should be dealing with corners, so put the ball out for a bloody corner and not keep him in play where there's danger. Yeah, but anyway, absolutely. that that's why I didn't pick Emmy I Martinez. Mean,
1: yeah, no, but excellent, as I say. it's uh, No, it's, look, uh, Ross Barkley can't really complain with that. He got the winning goal. Usually, the win, people who get the winning goal are, are highly thought of after the game. Um, yeah, so we're going to leave it there, guys. Uh, as you can tell in my voice, I very little sleep last night celebrating <laughs> the win. I'm I'm about five I've about five percent enthusiasm in in me. And I do apologize. This is one of those rare podcasts whereby uh the demon sleep is after taking over me mid podcast. So uh, energy levels are a bit low. But um I will get my I will get my eight hours tonight and be back chipper whenever we're going to do the the preview of the West Ham game. But uh, yeah, a bit of overindulgence last night myself as well. I I let Paddy, I let Paddy feel sorry for himself at the start of the podcast, saying that he, he was feeling a bit ropey after a few kens, and I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. I thought I'd be able to get through the podcast and and not uh, and not flag, not have my um <laughs> my my energy levels flagged. But uh, full disclosure, I will never lie to you out there. I will never lie to any of our listeners. I was a big goosed as well myself last night. <laughs> I'm feeling the effects of it today too. <laughs> so with that, with that transparency and that, and on that bombshell uh, guys, thank you ever so much to everybody for listening. Thanks a million Paddy as always for coming on. You can find Paddy on at Villa Paddy. Uh, you can find myself on at love McGraw Pod. Um, We've had an influx of followers recently. We're up to about uh, 1800 followers there. I'm actually going to do a giveaway for a hat for the West Ham game. And uh, for anybody who's listening to the podcast, to be in with a chance, I'm going to put up a post directly after this, to be in with uh, our post with the podcast on it on Twitter, okay? To be in with a chance to win a hat, all you got to do is take a screenshot. If you're listening to it on your phone, take a screenshot of, the, uh, of you listening to the, to, to the podcast on your phone and reply to the message a reply to the, t- to the tweet uh, that goes out for this podcast, Okay, just to reiterate, there you're replying, you're commenting underneath the tweet for this podcast with a screenshot of you watching the um, or of you listening to to the podcast. And what we'll do is between now and Wednesday, everybody who replies to, to the tweet itself, I'll uh, just randomly pick somebody, and we'll and you guys will win a hat. All right, how does that sound? Um, I literally just came up with that for forty five seconds ago, so I hope it makes sense. But uh, essentially, all you do is you screenshot. You're, you If you open it in Spotify or you open it on, um, on Apple Podcast or anything and you have the player open there, you just screenshot that, pop it in underneath it, comment underneath the, the actual post itself and uh, like the post as well. Sure, why not? And uh, as I say, I would pick somebody at random uh, to win a hat. So with that, we will be back at some stage with a West Ham preview. And I think all that's left to say is up the villa. Obteve lá.